Coming up on this episode of the Mario Rosenstock podcast. Marion is on as well. Say hello. Hello, Marion. How oh, are you? Matt, I've really enjoyed the interview. It's really, I really loved it. But I agree with Cal on this occasion, Matt. I'm sick of this hippy-dippy lefty persona shtick that you have me do on the radio. Is there any way that we can come clean? And could we make it quick, Matt? I have a Ku Klux Klan meeting tomorrow morning <laughs> and then a QAnon meeting in Washington, D.C. Oh, is that okay with you, Matt? Marion, you be whatever you want to be and we love having you on the show. Great, Matt. Give the ashtray back. Next time you're over. Sorry, Cal, I'll do that. Down to Florida. Yeah, fuck you, Matt. (laughs) That's right, fuck you, Matt. Karen Marion here. I just wanted to get that off my chest. Since you're cursing so much, up yours, Matt. (laughs) Well, the callers were lining up to chat to this week's guest. And as you can hear, some deep, dark secrets were finally revealed. Matt Cooper and I had plenty of crack on this episode. Matt, as you all know, is one of Ireland's foremost broadcasters, columnists, authors, TV presenters and lots, lots more besides, uh, including an amazing golfer. It's been scientifically proven that Matt Cooper is actually the busiest man in Western Europe. How he fits it all in, I will never know. And how he's now added the rounds of golf to the long list of stuff he packs into an average week, I will never know. But he carved a precious hour out of that relentless uh, Mount Rushmore-like schedule to join me on the Mario Rosenstock podcast in our studio for a chat that I enjoyed every minute of. I did my best to try and get the real Matt Cooper out of him, and I think I may have succeeded. But I'm not getting into the shtick of starting every day's programme. Let me tell you what I think today. Here's my views, and you can shove it up your hole if you don't like what I'm about to tell you. I, I told you, stop doing Ian Dempsey. On, I keep doing that impression of Ian Dempsey. <laughs> Matt Cooper, who basically works 23 hours a day. He has 11 different jobs. He's a polymath. He's in, constantly studying information. What's a polymath? Polymath is who's extremely good at doing many different things. Except understanding the meaning of the word polymath, obviously. <laughs> I once made Nelson Mandela very angry. Living saint and I managed to make him really angry with one question. What was the question? Person. Very much so, very much so. And or an amplification as to a particular angle of or, that person. Or, or, or a completely unfair <laughs> uh, depiction of how they really sound. <laughs> Why would you make anybody ask a question like that? My full chat with Matt is coming up in a few minutes' time, and there are a few real treats for you in there, because Matt is human, just like the rest of us, and he's had his fair share of bloopers over the years. And as luck would have it, Patrick Cawhey, who produces this very podcast, also used to produce Matt on The Last Word for 11 years, would you believe? That means Patrick has collected some bloopers of his own from the Matt Cooper era, so to speak. So when Matt messed up, Patrick was there to record it and keep the clips for posterity. Clips just like this one. What that does eventually is it shapes his brain so that he understands what pleasure is in a very different way than it would have originally. So, you know, a lot of men end up kind of thinking that that uh, physical punishment in some shape or form is actually enjoyable. It's not really enjoyable to get smacked with a paddle, even though, and some and summers might tell us it is, it isn't actually enjoyable. So that kind of stuff is fascinating for couples who, who just, you know, they've they never thought about it before. I hadn't envisaged a particular <laughs> scenario that you just decided to paint, but there you go. <laughs> what is appropriate, do you believe so, if you say so? Sorry. <laughs> It's not easy. Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> if certain stuff in, is it appropriate, what is appropriate? <laughs> <laughs> what is 
Well, uh, I suppose it does depend on, on the couples and what their experience uh, is and what they expect from a healthy sex life as well. Mm-hmm. And we'll have some more of those moments to play to Matt a little later on in the episode in person. So Christmas is the time to give gifts to the ones we love, is it not? And to put old rivalries to bed, letting bygones be bygones. So Curry's, supporters of this very podcast, have organised the big Curry's Chris Kindle to bring some well-known faces together safely online, where gifts are given and olive branches extended. President Michael D. Higgins, of course, is kindly agreeing to MC the proceedings, and we're going across live now to this event. <coughs> yes, indeed, Christmas is a time for giving. That's why, as president, I'd like to welcome you all to my national online Chris Kindle, with people joining me from all walks of life, remotely at the Aorus, on my giant 58-inch smart screen. Hello! Hi, Mr. Hello. President. Which I purchased from Curry's at an unbelievable price. Who would like to be the first to <coughs> gift? Uh, as Taoiseach, I- I'll go first, uh, Michael D. Yes, indeed. Off you go, Michal. Uh, I'd like to share a gift uh, with Leo, if that's OK. Oh, thanks, uh, Michal. Uh, what did you get me? Uh, I got you a Sage Smart Scoop uh, ice cream machine uh, going forward. Uh, up in Curry's, Leo. Wow, that's great. Uh, in their mega Christmas sale. It's beautiful. I, I thank you, Michal. I-, I always said if you were an ice cream, Leo, uh, you'd lick yourself. Uh, well, now you can. <laughs> uh, thanks, yeah. Uh, right, uh, who's next? Uh, me, Michael uh, Johnny Sexton. Yeah. Uh, who are you gifting to Johnny? Uh, you, Mr. President. Yeah. What, yeah. Really, what did you get me, Johnny? Uh, it's a superstar hoverboard. A hoverboard? Yeah, I got it in Curry's as well. Amazing value. Yes. You can use it uh, when you're coming down to meet the team and stuff. Really? Yeah, it works really, really well on red carpets. Thank you, you're Johnny. Welcome. Thank you, thank you. All right, who's next? All right, Michael D. Mick McCarthy. Wonderful. Who are you gifting? I thought it was time to bury Hatchet, so I got something for Roy. Ha <laughs> thanks Mick, what'd you get me? A Kenwood smoothie blender, up in Curry's. A blender? Great value up in Curry's, mega Christmas sale. Make your fruit and vegetable smoothies, Roy. Smoothies? I know you how you like to stay fit and healthy, Roy, so... Sorry, are you saying I'm unfit or something? No, I'm just saying that... Well, then why you get me a smoothie blender for? What the hell because are you... Because it were incredible bargain up in curries. You're saying I'm out of shape, aren't you? That's what no, you're saying. Gentlemen, saying you're gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. Some things never change, like curries, who won't be beaten on price. Mega Christmas sale now on. So there you have it. Get yourself down to your nearest Curry's and get a gift at a great price this Christmas. And thanks to Curry's for their support of this podcast all throughout the year, all throughout 2021. And look forward to a brilliant 2022 together. And thanks to you for listening and emailing me. If you want to email me personally, it's mariorosenstock at gmail.com and I read them all. If you haven't subscribed or followed the series, please do jump on, um, jump on the podcast and give us a rating. Give us a comment if you like. Uh, um, and send me an email or um, tweet me at Mario on Twitter. It's that little subscribe or follow button right up at the top of the channel you're listening on right now that matters. Those clicks really help us reach more people just like you. So, as I said, Matt Cooper is now officially the busiest man in Western Europe. So we'd better not keep him waiting any longer. Let's jump straight in. We're recording anyway, are we? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's no official formal start or anything, Matt, so we, we're on now, like, so it doesn't matter. I have to be careful from this moment on, is that what I say? <laughs> well, unless you, you could send us a legal rate if you want to tell us to cut stuff out. We have no problem doing that. <laughs> and ignoring it. Uh, and ignoring it? No, yeah. not at all. Um, listen, tell us, were you, on, you, were you on stage with Roy Keane recently? Yeah. Uh, well, that's where I want to start. Just 
let's go in there. Let's go in there. That's fascinating. You're obsessed with Roy Keane, aren't you? It's interesting that you say that because I'm actually not obsessed with Roy I'm Keane. I'm really joking. But what I'm, what I'm tapping into is the whole idea of the industry around Roy Keane that we're all part of, really. Well, actually, I'll give the you... The fascination a, with talking yeah, about him. Well, I'll tell you what, and actually, <clears> you know this from having done stuff with him for Irish Guide Dogs for the Blind. The, what, the event that I did with him recently down in Kerry was for the Kerry Hospice. And Roy went to the extent that he drove over from Manchester, he took the ferry over, he drove down to Kerry, he did the event, he went back to Cork and then he drove back and went on Sky Sports that weekend for the uh, Chelsea-Manchester United match, okay? Um, you know, he gives of himself, he's very generous and I'll tell you how generous he is. He gave at the event, we did an auction, it was just one single item in the auction and it was the last Manchester United jersey he wore. It was from the Liam Miller testimonial game in Parky Cueve in Cork after Liam Miller died at such a tragically young age. And this event was for the Kerry Hospice so he donated the jersey and I was doing the auction and I was getting the bids up and the rest of it and we were trying to get up to 10,000 for the, the jersey. Next thing Roy says, nine. And Sarah Crow, what? What? Hang on. Roy, you're so I'll do that, Matt. Yeah. Ha, ha. Nine <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> he never said at the end of the day once in the whole hour and 40 minutes we were on stage together. That's because it was the middle of the day. I mean, it was whatever it was. No, it was at the end of the day. It was at the end of the day. It was the end of the afternoon, like. And okay, then he should have said the end of the evening, day. Like, yeah, anyway. so, so he bid on his own jersey nine. He did and he pushed it up. So he was doing a Gerald Keane on himself. The last comparison I would make in the world with Roy Keane is Gerald Keane. But anyway, um, he, but he pushed it up. And in fairness, the Kerry Group came in and they bought it. I think they put 12,000 into it. So the day raised 73,000 for the Kerry Hospice. And like Roy and myself did it for free. All the volunteers involved do everything for nothing. All the money went to the Kerry Hospice. But the point I'm making is is Roy makes himself available back here in Ireland to do things like that. He's a very generous person. And he said, he whispered to me while the auction was going on, he said, look, if I end up buying it, it's not a problem. We'll just donate it back into the hospice and we can put it up on the wall in the hospice. And you know, he'd also been down there earlier that day meeting people. He had taken the time before he Mm. did the event to go down and meet people. So from that point of view, as well as many other points of views, I think he's a great guy. Yeah, yeah. Had you met him in that capacity before? Yeah, we did one. Um, well, I've done a number of events with him like that. There were a couple um, with him and Martin O'Neill. You were involved in one of them. We did uh, for the 2016 going away yeah. for the well, um, was Irish really team down good. in uh, the Do remember I had to perform in front of him? Yeah. He was in the front row and everything. Yeah, and you made comments about Robbie Keane yeah. as well and all the rest of it and stuff. And yeah. uh, I did a thing on stage that day with... Um, but Martin and Roy was the sort of the centrepiece of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I grabbed the centrepiece. This was the Opera House in the Cork, House, just was, before Ireland went it was, away. It was my bloody idea, so I got the best oh, part of the game. Oh, it was a good idea, it was a good idea. But everyone else from Today FM got involved mm. as well, and you were brilliant that night, very funny. Particularly doing Robbie Keane, I yeah. think, even more so than Roy. Oh, very much, yeah. Look on Robbie. And then he's, Robbie says to you, you're wearing that, you wearing that jacket for a bet, he says to you. Oh, I like this jacket, what are you on about? Like, did he? <laughs> he did actually. <laughs> he said that on the stage anyway. Like, anyway, um, so I did that with Roy and twice and he was always sort of very, and I said this to him last week, you know, almost deferential towards Martin O'Neill, very much knowing his place as number two, not trying to jump in, take the questions. And the, the, the relationship we have with Martin O'Neill was something we discussed last week and very interesting. But I had done another night with him and uh, I'll tell you how it came about. We did a night in the Olympia back in 2015 for Barrettstown and 
It's very sadly what happened was Barrettstown announced the tickets on sale and it was to be Roy with Bill O'Hurley and Bill died on the day the tickets were put out for sale. Mm. So I got a frantic phone call from Barrettstown. Look, is there any chance you could step in and do it instead of Bill? And I said, of course I'll do it. Not a problem in the least. And I remember on the night we started by paying appropriate tribute to Bill. Mm. But um, that was the first time I did a solo event with Roy. And even though we're both from Cork, we're both from the north side of Cork, we hadn't known each other really. We'd done a, one or two radio interviews around times of Guide mm. Dogs for the Blind, but nothing substantial and significant. And we went on stage and we were supposed to be on for 90 minutes and we ended up doing extra time and penalty shootout. We were on for way over two hours mm. with questions coming from the audience and the rest of it. And as I always like to say, uh, and I said this to him last week, I said, I always like to say that um, we got a standing ovation mm. afterwards. Though I know it was you got the standing ovation, but yeah. and in fair destroy, says, oh no, no, team effort by team effort, <laughs> the two of us. Uh, so we got the standing ovation again mm. uh, last week down in Tralee, and it was lovely to be in front of an audience appropriately socially distanced who'd all taken their antigen tests before going in and the rest of it because there was a degree of concern as well about okay, you know, the appropriateness and this thing had been put off a couple of times. But uh, it was a fantastic afternoon, evening and uh, Roy, as ever, was a pleasure to work with. Yeah, he's as quick as a flash as well, isn't he? Oh, yes. Yeah. He's, he is sharp. Yeah. He is so sharp. One of the things when people ask me about him as well is, and I try to just communicate to them, for me, he, he knows showbiz very well. You saw that in his famous thing with Gary Neville how aware he is of the camera the moment what people might be hearing how it's coming out the other side he's he's got a great producer's head yeah it's instinctive it's not trained you can see he is not trained he's smart yeah you know, I, very I don't know if he'd be academically, if he ever, if he would have been capable academically, but he's got an intelligence about him. Yeah, it's a raw intelligence. The, the, but the other overriding feeling I feel about him, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. Is 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 um is oh, it's hard to use the word pity about Roy Keane, and the reason I say that is because all of us are interested in pursuing what we're able to do. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to be able to do the thing I love doing. You are as well. Yeah. And it strikes me that he isn't. He's not able to do the one thing that he wants to be doing. Which is involved in football day to day. Yeah, it? which is being on, um, which is, which, which is living your life. Because let's face it, Matt, they seem to do that. It's almost living your life as close to the thing as possible, but they're living vicariously. So Stevie G on the sideline at Aston Villa and he's doing the same clap that he did on the pitch. Yeah, but at least he's still the manager and he has responsibility of course, for it's, what it's, it's a Wait, role. I'm saying Roy doesn't have I, that role. I think Roy would like to have that role, but yep. I think he may be coming to terms with the possibility that he won't ever get that chance again. And why do you think that is? Do you think that's because nobody wants that? The, 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 the hullabaloo Larry. Well, he was interesting on that in the sense of the perceptions that people have of him. And he was, you know, he was strongly defending his own record. He said, you know, he succeeded with Sunderland. You know, he yep. was a success with Sunderland. Yep. He got them up as champions. Yep. And he would have thought that teams in the upper echelons of the championship should be looking at him and saying, well, he's done this before. And mm. um, he says his problem with Ipswich was that he was just, in some respects, unfortunate, made too many drawn games. And he just didn't get the luck at certain things. There probably is a perception that he's difficult and that he's very strong minded. So, but then again, I would have thought that at this stage, most of the managers who are successful in English football, the Jurgen Klopp's and whatever, are strong-minded as against somebody like Solskjaer who clearly could be yeah. walked over. And that's even leaving aside the coaching capabilities and things like that. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, you know what? Just get him on and ask him yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he's the one that's actually turned me down. Because <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't been on yet. 
Uh, oh, sorry. Funny, the first time, the only time I ever met him, which was in that six minutes thing. Yeah. And uh, he, he actually asked for it. Yeah. It's funny that way he, he made it happen. I think the people he made happen to him, they mightn't have even heard it today, FM. He just went, find out who they are. Yep. And said, there's this fellow that does me. I want to meet and let's do this for the guide dogs for the blind yes. and everything and all that sort of stuff. So listen, the other, I've asked a few people around as well for questions that they would have asked you. And Ian wanted to ask you about the golf. What do you mean? The golf! What? Tell us all about the golf for those listeners out there who don't know. Matt Cooper, who basically works, or in our mind, he doesn't, but he works in our mind 23 hours a day. He has 11 different jobs. He's a polymath. He's in, constantly studying information. What's a polymath? Polymath is who's extremely good at doing many different things. Really? Okay. Except understanding the meaning of the word polymath, obviously. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, you know, I've always been a fan of yours. Very impressed with you and everything. And, how, and, and it's mutual. Can no, we no, do no, the, no, 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 no. It's not a narcissistic thing. It's a, the person who's able to understand economics and politics, but also have a big fan of music and literature and all this stuff, and even TV programs and box sets and all this stuff. Where do you get the time? And if out of all this, where do you get the time? You took up golf. Yeah. Why did you take up golf? How is it going? And I'll ask you a few questions about okay, golf. I'll tell you how it happened. We were. At the during the brief lockdown exclusion period, I don't know how you call it, last summer, when you can go on holidays in the country, uh, we went down to Parknasilla in uh, South Kerry, mm. and the whole family went. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I thought the children would want the opportunity that, that their parents would place, go away. Bertie used to go there. Did he? Yeah, that was his main hotel, Parknasilla. Yeah. All right, you're right. You're right. Anyway. Forgotten that. Who was Bertie again? Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, Shane, have you got a pen? We went down and we were just sort of looking for things. We were only for five days. I mean, with seven bloody, seven of us there and the dog, you know, we were sort of looking for things to do. And I said, look, there's a 12 hole golf course out here for the crack. Why don't we just hire a set, a couple of sets of clubs and go out and do it? And we went out and it was, even though it was a 12 hole course, it took us about four and a half hours to get around. We were all hopeless. I held the golf club exactly like I would have held a hurley, which is the other all way right. around. Yeah. Pack-handed. Um, yeah. And was trying to swing away at that and the rest of it. And it took us four and a half hours to do 12 holes. And I came in off the course and we're all going, Jesus, we're hopeless, blah, blah. And I was going to myself, I suddenly realised in the four and a half hours I've been out there, I hadn't thought of anything else. And I actually had a newspaper column to write when I got back. And I suddenly realised in the four and a half hours, I hadn't even given a single thought as to what it would be that I was writing. I was going, yeah, that, that's unusual. There's something in that. So I said to Aileen, I said, look, why don't we actually just give this a go and just sort of buy a cheap set of clubs, cheapest we can get, and start going to the public course up in Stepaside, which I knew about. And there's an, it's a nine-hole course, lovely little course. And... Uh, we went, we bought clubs. I think we paid 300 euro each for a set of clubs. And we started going up and we were absolutely crap. And we loved it. Just loved getting out, getting out in the fresh air. Um, just not thinking about anything else. Got a few lessons, learned how to. Actually, well, that's how you hold a golf club. It's not the other way around. That's grand. Uh, watched a few tutorials on YouTube or whatever and stuff like that. And started playing. Then when the lockdown hit again and we couldn't go, really missed it, felt frustrated. So I just decided we're going to join a golf club. And we did. And we joined Powers Court up in Wicklow. And uh, I could be up there three days a week now. Um, not now that the winter has really kicked in. But we, we'll be there tomorrow and we'll be there Sunday. Uh, this being Friday that we're doing this. 
And love it. We're now starting to get around the country and go to golf mm. courses. So when I was down with Roy Keane and mm. Kerry, and actually I love this, this happened this morning. Uh, we were down, we played the glorious course, Tralee. You know, it's tough, tough, tough. But it was just absolutely beautiful. And even though it was bitterly cold and the wind was howling in, it was still beautiful. Didn't think of anything else. Just getting around doing it. And I put up a photograph on Twitter of this beautiful golf course. So anyway, this morning, I was getting the bus into town and jump onto the bus. And the bus driver says, so what's Tralee Golf Course like? And I said, what? And he goes, I follow you on Twitter. I saw <laughs> yeah. things that I play a bit of golf. So we ended up delaying everybody sort of getting on the bus. As he was asking me, oh, what's the place? I'd love, is that a good place to go to? And I was going, oh, Jesus, one of the most beautiful. And the bus driver's telling me, I've got a voucher for the K Club for two of us to go down and going down. He says, um, one I'm really looking forward. I'm waiting for the better weather. And this great chat. And it's great for just escaping. You know what? It was great to have the bus driver asking me about golf rather than fucking COVID. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yes, that's why one so of the reasons. So, emptying your mind. It's the best relaxant I've ever yeah, come across. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that I do for my night this morning, just gym. Up gym before, mm. and I've done it I, twice a week. I go into Paul Burns. Is Keith Duffy still there? Yeah, I haven't seen Keith in ages. <laughs> now, don't start into poor old Keith. I'm very fond of Keith. Um, How are you, buddy born? <laughs> but that is great for the mind as well. That's the only thing that probably sort of got me the fog lifted this morning so I can come in and talk to you. Although I've also got, as well as the radio show to do today, I've got to write my business post column and I'm hours behind in relation right. to that. I won't keep you long then. I know you're fine, you're grand. <laughs> it's not going to make it any easier for me, but... Uh, the point being, I can't even remember the point. point emptying being, your mind. Emptying my mind, yes. Yeah, brilliant. And did you get a handicap And it actually doesn't take very long to empty my mind. There's not a lot in my mind. Ah, stop. Did you get a play? Did you get, did, are you playing off a handicap yet? Yeah. 24 is it or something? Oh, way higher than that. Is it? Can you One go higher? Crap. Oh, yeah. Can there's, you go higher? It's a new international system, so I'm on about 34.8. Oh, okay. Me and Tony got down, got it down before Tony died. A few, ah, right. About three years before Tony down, okay. got, died. We, we, we were out three times a week. Were you? And we got it down. Tony got it down to 11. Very good. I was about 13. Right. And uh, I remember um, Carton House. Have you played Carton House? No, I'm told, told. It's very tough. Well, one of the courses there is ridiculously tough. Ah, that's I'm a Monty told. course. Yeah. Built in the image of its yeah. fucking designer. Doer. Complete pain in the hole. I <laughs> see. <laughs> as, as, as somebody said, uh, he's got a face like a bulldog eating, licking piss off the back of a nettle. <laughs> and that's the way he built his course. You hit a perfect drive down the centre. Yeah. And you're in a bunker. Like, what a bollocks. What did he do that for? But anyway, we were on the other course, Carton House, and we were yeah. playing, I think, the 16th or something. It's a beautiful part three. It looks like the Masters. It looks yeah. like the, the, the part three in the Masters on the 16th. And I remember Tony there, and, uh, and I went, Tony, I hate this hole. And he went, dude, just aim for the top of the trees at the back of the hole. Top of the trees. So I aimed at the top of the trees into the water. Plop. And then Tony got up sky high. Couldn't the sun got in our way? Couldn't see it. Came down. Couldn't see anything on the green. We looked around la, 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 into the bunker. Looked in the bunker. Nothing there. Anyway, hang on a second. Went over to the hole. It was in there. It landed straight in the hole, and that was one of my last golfing memories with the ah, poor old Tony. The hole lovely. in one. Um. So 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 brilliant. So this is this is this is something that came to me. Not every question is mine. I've asked a lot of people for different mm. questions, but this one was one I was thinking the other day. So you were doing an interview on the last word, and I was thinking. Okay, like he has, he's completely got complete control over marshalling the information here and uh, he's well informed, obviously, about this subject. And he's well informed about the two people that he's got on. And I just kept asking myself at the end of the interview, towards the end. Or at the end of the day. What's, what's your opinion? And of course, you didn't really give it, right? 
my why are you frowning at me? I don't give my opinion. This is it. This is what I wanted to ask you about. And bear and with very me. Few well, no, well, well, very, bear, very few things I do. Some very, very few things. Well, I'll ask you about them then. Well, mm. Bear with me for a second. Because we're living in a world now, as you know, you know the media landscape, where, you know, from let's say from America, Fox News to CNN, it's a lot of opinion, right? My hot take. I think this. And then closer to home, Matt, you've got, like, for example, News Talk. And News Talk is, you know, led by now a kind of opinion-led broadcasting. And then you have, well, then you then you on the radio are a kind of, I suppose, imp- you try to remain impartial. Yeah. Wouldn't that be correct? Absolutely. Okay. Wh- why and would you, pref- would you, is that the way you like it? Oh, that's absolutely the way I like it. What about your opinion? What opinions? But you have opinions. Very few. On what? I'll tell you what, I, I'm always interested. Honestly, no, I, I can, I can genuinely I'm not, I'm not answer this. No, and I'm not messing and giving you the answer. The older I get, the more I realise how little I know. Yeah, okay? I get that. As, as distinct from some people who always appall me, as the older they get, they're more certain how much they know and they're ignorant as to how ignorant they are. Mm. And it always appalls me the certainty with which they hold forth and then get platforms on radio and television to be these big personalities. Oh, yeah. Talking shite. Yeah. And then it's all lapped up. And then media bosses at times buy into this thing that, oh, they're box office. Will you write down one name now? I promise I won't say it. Will you write down one name? Go on, write down one name Just one. And I will not say it. Write down two then. (laughs) Matt's now writing down. I won't say anything now. <clears throat> okay, yeah. I'll give us I like, you don't even have to finish that name, yeah. Go on, there's another one. <laughs> Ian Dempsey. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, I thought just would would there be more? There probably is yeah. if I think about it, you know. What about uh what about if I wrote down that name? Or <laughs> what about what about if I wrote down that name? Those two. Oh, the second one. Oh yeah. Would you say the second one? Oh Christ, yeah. Full of it. Oh, for God's sake. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So And actually Again, I mean, I have to be so careful here. Mm, but okay. I mean, like, the first name of those two... By the way, I why do you have to be careful? <sighs> about names? Well, look, I mean... No, like, sorry, what, what, when you yeah. said I have well, to be careful, would, what does I, you have I, to be would, careful about? Well, I wouldn't want... I, I'm not going to insult people and stuff. Personally. Personally. No, like that's that, right? I accept okay. that. And, and I'll two, go along with you on that. And one of those two names you put down is actually somebody who I'm actually really personally very friendly with and fond of. Personally. Who I think has probably been required to take on a persona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I probably wish that he didn't. Yeah. The other person that you put down, I mean, I at times I've been shocked by the self-confidence while being ignorant. Okay. I got you. And what about the last name I've written down there? Couldn't say. Uh, All right. No, po- no never, opinion. Never hear that person. Never opinion. Never opinion. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So, so okay. No, 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 I'll no, I, I, I tell okay. you why, right? I suppose in a lot of those names that you've written down don't come from a journalistic background. Yeah. They come from other backgrounds and sort of have seen broadcasting as a medium to build their brand, brand and yeah. to mm. uh, make an income and make a big income yeah. out of it. Okay. Yeah. I come from, and people can say, oh, fuck off, you know, whatever, if you want, you can do a Logan Roy in it. But I come from a background. Ooh. Oh, low, sorry, I haven't Logan seen Succession. Roy, Succession. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've never seen Succession? <laughs> no, I don't have oh, it. Fuck off. I don't have it. Fuck off. I don't have it. I heard, I heard that's his catchphrase. <laughs> Virgin Media, fuck off. He does that one as well, doesn't he? He's the voiceover for Virgin. <laughs> I don't work there anymore, by the way. So you can tell Virgin to fuck off all you like. <laughs> 
<laughs> Anyways, anyway, where was I? You were you were telling me to fuck off. <laughs> That's true, but there was a reason. I must building have a, a brand. Oh, sorry, yeah, they're into building brands, and they're all into okay. And when, people might say fuck, but I come from a background whereby all I wanted to be was a journalist. Mm. Right when I was growing up, my ambition. Is it really? Oh yeah, yeah. No, like this goes back a long, long way, right? Yeah. And from a very early age, and I got didn't even know that no. deflected occasionally and stuff like that. Mm. But that's what I wanted to do. And I remember when I did my course, I did my degree, first degree was in commerce and UCC. That was when I was been deflected and could have ended up in business or whatever and didn't really like it, although it turned out to be really useful to me because I was able to make my initial career as a yeah. business journalist. Yeah. Were, you a business, um, were you a business editor of the Sunday Indo? No, God, no. no, no you no, weren't? No. no, I was business editor of the Irish Independent. Okay, at the same sorry. time, Shane Ross was business sorry, editor sorry. of the Sunday Independent. So I was always trying to make sure we scooped him before he could get a story okay. out on Sunday. I'd been in the Business Post before that. Yeah. Um, anyway, sorry, the point is, when I remember being in, uh, not what's now DCU, was then NIH mm. in the journalism course, and in the class, I suddenly realized that I was going to do okay because everyone there wanted to be, and almost thought they would have a, a piece on the opinion page of the Irish Times within a year or two of finishing college. Yeah. Whereas I wanted to be a reporter. Mm. I just wanted to get out and get the stories and put the stories into the paper. Mm. And that's what I managed to do. Now, I ended up doing it in business, but I actually found business been really interesting from the point of view as I'm really fascinated by power. Mm. And that's why a lot of people get into politic, political reporting, because they're interested in power. Mm. Well, I saw that business actually had an enormous amount of power as well and intersected with the political. Mm. And that actually was what allowed me to build my initial career in print journalism. Mm -hmm. So that when I worked in the Business Post, writing about all these powerful, influential people, writing about business, writing about how the economy was developing, whatever. And when I say writing about it, reporting on it, going out, interviewing people, meeting people. And that brought me in a step progression through... Um, the time that I was with the Business Post, then the Irish Independent Business Editor, then I was editor of the Sunday Tribune for six years. Mm. So that's where I would have broadened out everything. So I had the responsibility for all the sections. And a lot of what I learned in my time in the Tribune is what I bring to the last word now. And all the things you listed as my interests earlier are effectively almost like what a full service Sunday newspaper used to be. Yeah. And yeah. that's how I got yeah. so, it. You're the point, a talking newspaper. Yeah, but the point is is that I would never presume to tell people what to think. But what I try to do is I try to interview people or I try to bring out as much information as possible to allow listeners or readers make up their own mind. Got it. I'm not going to tell them. I'm not going to deliver a sermon from the mount. You will never hear me. Well, okay, I won't say never. There's been very, very rare occasions where I might lead off the programme by a statement on something which I believe is really, really important that we need to address. But I'm not getting into the shtick of starting every day's programme. Let me tell you what I think today. Here's my views and you can shove it up your hole if you don't like what I'm about to tell you. I, I told you, stop <laughs> doing Ian Dempsey. I'm, I keep doing that impression of Ian Dempsey. <laughs> Why do you love Rush so much? Rush are a band, by the way. And if they had a golf handicap, they'd be 34.8. <laughs> That's outrageous Sorry. and that's the end of this what are, I mean, Go on. what are Rush and why do you like them okay. so much? There was, the Rush are a Canadian band. Unfortunately, the drummer Neil Peart died a couple of years ago of brain tumour. Mm. Um, they're a Canadian rock band which has had various sort of, they were what you might call prog rock in the 70s but progressed through the 80s. What is and prog 90s. rock? Progressive rock. I know, what is it though? That's a good question mm. but it's sort of the... 
lots of very long guitar based yeah, okay. songs, I suppose mm-hmm. you could say. But I remember actually, I can still remember the first time I used to, when I would be doing my homework or studying at home as a secondary school student, I would have the radio on when I was doing my studies in my room at home in Cork. And I remember one day this, this piece of music came on on 2FM and uh, it was just this extraordinary intro to a piece of music and then it, the song started and it was The Spirit of Radio by Rush. I was like, what the hell is that? That's absolutely brilliant. I remember one of these things that really just caught me. And in time, I got the album Permanent Waves and I just absolutely loved it, the sort of the imagination in the, the tracks of how different they were, the music, the, it was just brilliant musically. The lyrics were different and intelligent. And I just got into this band and you could say, almost like, and this sounds ridiculous for a 55-year-old to be saying, but it's almost like the soundtrack to my life has been the music of Rush over mm. the decades. Mm. And I, lot, I love lots of music. <clears throat> I listen to loads of music and I try to listen to a lot of new music Yeah, where as does well. that come from? Sorry, I know it's a very simple question, but where does the love of music come from? I mean, you really do. I mean, yeah, do where I, does I, it come from, do you I, think? I don't know. Was I your dad and mum playing, no, playing an orchestra? Not. Did your no, dad sing? Nothing, nothing like that. You nothing. just love music from an early age, yeah. like 12, 11. Or, or earlier, earlier. Early, just yeah, music yeah. got into your head. Yeah, mm. and you'd be surprised at the types of music. I mean, I used to love... And this is sound ridiculous because I don't really like it that much. Now, there are some stuff that I do like, but I love country music as a small child. Mm-hmm. And Three chords and the truth. Yeah. And I mean, I would love Johnny Cash back then. And I've got yeah. back into Johnny Cash as an adult. And I love, for example, what Robert Plant is doing with Alison Krauss at the moment, yeah. which is very, I know John Cadell describes it as Americana rather than country, but it's very country yeah. influenced. Anyway, so yeah. um, I would have listened to lots of different music yeah. over the years. But I suppose my comfort blanket all the time going back to would be Rush. Ah, amazing, amazing, yeah. amazing. So I would love having, I mean, I would love, what I would always do is, and particularly when I used to write books mm. and... I when you would, say you used to write books, you, you will write books again, will I you? I don't know. Oh, you think you might have given up? I found like golf. Like on the toy I f- show. I found golf. See, Tuberty's going to give up the toy show. Is he? I couldn't believe it. He said the other day, he said, oh, I think I'm, you know, I don't know, I don't know if I ha- how many more toy shows I've got left in me. <laughs> what the fuck? He's 48. Is he? Is he? Is he how old he is? He's 48. <laughs> but he wants to be 84. 1984. He wants to be an old man. I did a sketch about him once where he was hanging around pension offices looking for his pension and they said, Ryan, it's another 30 years. Feck off. And then he went home and he had a stairmaster bringing him up the lift, the stair. And then he climbed into a walk-in bath and with a packet of Werder's Originals. And he had driving gloves. You know, he, the real Ryan Trevor, he has yeah. driving gloves. Really? He drives with driving gloves. It's the toy show. Don't know how many more I've left in me. It's fascinating. I love people, Matt. I get fascinated by them all the time. So do I. Actually, that's one of the reasons why I do what I do. Yeah, because of people. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I love talking to people. Yeah, yeah. That's why I love talking to people on the radio. And I love it when people engage. I love it when people truly engage. I love finding out about things, but it comes back to the things I was saying earlier. I mean, Mm. the one thing that I do realise is the more and more it's just how little I actually know. Yeah, and that's a fair, that's a really, no, that's a really wise thing to say. It's how little everyone really knows. How really, how really, how how little everybody knows. I mean. And there's never enough time, you know, you were talking about time thing earlier. I mean, like, God, the frustration. I mean, there are so many books that I want to actually have the chance to read. 
There are so many movies I haven't seen yeah. yet. So many television shows. So much music I want to be able yeah, to yeah. listen to. Give us a couple of. Give us a couple of. If you can, give us a couple of guests who you have interviewed who kind of just stay in your mind from your period in the last word over the years, the last twenty years now, isn't it? Would there be? Would, just, would, just would there be one or two or three? I know you. You're, you're not great. I know you're not great at memorizing them because it kind of flushes out of your system, and it that's flushes it. Flushes out. I tell you, first of all, it's. I'm just finished coming up to this. Is the end of my nineteenth year presenting yeah. the last word full time. Um, and you know, I get asked this question all yeah. the time, and every time I'm asked it, I'm told, I must get myself ready for the next time I'm asked." Yeah. It. But you're right. I mean, I can hardly remember what we had on the program yeah, this I know. week. Yeah, I'm yeah. always constantly focused on. Okay, well, don't tell who me the if guests. you can't. If you can't tell me, then don't bother. So, um, yeah. but I'll ask you another one then, because you've interviewed. Because I remember you were doing um, uh, you were doing an interview this week about Twitter, and uh, oh yeah, and then you were there like uh, Jack Dorsey has stepped down as CEO of Twitter, and you went, "Here's an interview I did with Jack Dorsey <laughs> in 2010." And I'm going, "Fuck!" Has he interviewed everybody? <laughs> you know, like it's just another, you know. <laughs> I hear that the Dalai Lama uh, tripped and fell and hurt his shin. Here's a four-hour interview I did in the Himalayas in 1492. Uh, It was himself, Christopher Columbus, and uh, a fellow playwright, William Shakespeare. Anyway, here we are. Um, So, are you are you accusing me of name dropping? No, I'm just saying you've interviewed a lot of people. Okay, can who, I, who, can, who, who, can I give you the ultimate name dropping one? I tell the story against what? myself. So right? you have a name drop to do. I have a name oh, drop great. to do, right? And um, I was able to tell my kids this, and in fairness, they looked at me and they just went, "What?" So I was able to give the name drop when Nelson Mandela died, and I said, "Yeah," I said, "I once made Nelson Mandela very angry," and they went, "What?" I said, yeah, living saint, and I managed to make him really angry with one question. And What was the question? Well, I'll tell you the circumstances of it. It was a lunch. This was before I was doing The Last Word. It was when I was editor of the Sunday Tribune. And it was a lunch for Nelson Mandela in Tony O'Reilly's house in Fitzwilliam Square. And there was about a dozen of the newspaper editors not just the Independent, uh, but the Sunday Tribune, Irish Times, various others brought to this lunch with Nelson Mandela. So various questions were being fielded by him. And I mean, remember, he was an old man still at this stage. So I asked him a question about why so many African governments spend so much money on munitions and armaments and engage in so much war. They do. If you look at the number the figures, I mean, it's a major, I would regard it as a major problem in Africa, these anyway, he went nuts. He accused me of being colonial in my approach, as if that are you suggesting that uh, Africans shouldn't be allowed to have guns and stuff. And I'm going, that's not what I'm suggesting. I'm not being colonial. But what I'm saying is, is that when you have scarce resources, the allocation of the resources into armaments doesn't strike me as a particularly good way to. He was really. He lost angry. his temper with you. He lost his temper with me, and I remember going, oh, "Wow, right!" But I'm you actually, also saw the tough side to the saintly oh, man. That was it. That was actually what was really interesting. The steel. Then I saw the flash of anger and yeah. the steel. Now I backed off because yeah. this wasn't my place to be getting involved in a row with no. him. So I just sort of sat back and let somebody else take mm. up the question and move on. So anyway, but um, mm. that, that would be as I told class. my kids that my sort of thing. Like, my God, I managed to get Nelson Mandela angry class, with a question. That's very good. Um, so let's give you a couple of names then who you'd love to interview. That's are on your bucket list of interviews. 
Because that was that's. I think this is a good question. It wasn't my question actually. It was whose question gave me? That was Charlie. Charlie gave me this question. You know, I'd love to interview, and I'd love to get for a lengthy sit-down interview. And he's never done one, and a few requests have always been turned on Bono. Yeah, a never. very very interesting person. Yeah, I mean, like, and you see, what I would be interested in relation to Bono as much as anything else is, I read, as you know, quite a bit. And I'm amazed at the amount, I read a lot of biographies and we've really gotten into reading biographies in the last few years and particularly of people in business, right? Having written a couple myself, having written about Tony O'Reilly and Michael O'Leary, yeah. I'm always interested in reading others as to see if I was ever to go back to doing that again, if mm. I was to give up golf, um, how I would actually do it. And I'm amazed the amount of times Bono turns up. In business. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm as interested in business in Bono. Well, he's a punter, isn't he? Well, Bono is a, he is. Yeah, I mean, mm. like he's an investor. He's mm. a serious Angel investor. Angel investor and punter. I mean, he turns up in Warren Buffett's biography, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, prominently. He turns up in Steve Jobs's. He, you know, he'd be, he would have been an early investor in Facebook. I mean, he is yeah. really interesting from that point of he view. Is. And he's very interesting from the point of view of politics as well. And he how he gets involved in it. So... And it's more, much more so perhaps than the music. I would love to have the opportunity to really have good interviews with Bono about business and politics and economics and world order. So, yeah. So if Bono's listening, you know, give us a shout. It's one of his favourite podcasts. Is it? Yeah. Shout outs every week, Mario. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, do you do I, I, lo- do you? I love the do way... Do you do Bono, do you? Uh, everybody does Bono. But there's versions of Bono. Yeah. Bono is so complicated yeah. that there, are, like any really great character, there are different versions to him. Yeah. So, for example, people ask me just my, while you're talking about impressions, there for mm. a second, turn you into the interviewer. The um, the idea of impressions is 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 I've often thought about it. It's hilarious in itself. First of all, the word impression is an impression. Mm. It's not called a facsimile. Yes. It's called an impression, as a painting is called an impressionistic painting. It doesn't necessarily look exactly like it's your take on what that person is. Not just how they sound, but how they behave and the kind of things they might say or like to say. Yeah, an amplification of a particular angle to that person. Very much so, very much so. Or an amplification as to a particular angle of that person. Or or a completely unfair (laughs) uh, depiction of how they really sound. (laughs) Why would you make anybody ask a question like that? When they clearly don't. <laughs> so what they what it is is it's an impression, as I said. Yeah. But the second thing is everybody has a diff has seven, eight, nine, ten different registers themselves. Mm. So for example, Joan Burton never sounded like this. Can I just say? Except for once. Yeah. When Matt when when um, Vincent Brown yeah. asked her about haranguing. Yeah. And she her voice went so high and she went, Man, you're haranguing me, Vincent! You're haranguing I'm not haranguing. I'm not haranguing, yo. Answer the question, woman. I stop haranguing me. And she went up there. Yeah. So I took that and I went, that's the way she's gonna talk all the time. Yeah. Now the reality is Joan Burton talks more like, Well, you know, we're calling it la 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 or whatever. But I don't it's yeah. boring to make it I yeah. I cartooned her. Absolutely. Exactly. So uh, Bono, though, very yeah. interesting because I find him very fascinating. The way he 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 walks that very 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 tricky line in Ireland mm. between being an extremely famous man and by being a credible normal Joe Soap. Yeah, and he to to many extents he pulls it off. He is he's fascinating by the way he deals with his own self, his self image, and how the idea that it's important to him to be example walk into a bar as a free man and just order a 
drink. Mm. You know, and, and of course he's right. Um, and the elements, the, the way he's self-deprecating, I'm just a rock and roll star, you know, that kind of thing. It's stupid. <laughs> I'm just a stupid rock and roller, Matt. You know, like this kind of the way he puts himself down, yeah. knowing that he's clever, you know, and, and, and I find that interesting. All right. So that's some chat, chat about who you've interviewed and who you might like to interview. And Bono, Bono is listening, so um, that would be great. But what about the couple of the, we, we alluded to it earlier on, a couple of the little, the little uh, incidents that have happened on The Last Word? Because I'm a big listener to The Last Word. Mm, I know you are. Yeah. Everything, you're, you're everything. very generous. And everything from, you know, everything from Royston Brady and everything and the chicken. God, that's and a long time That ago. was hilarious. And and, uh, and there was another one. Um, but of course, we talked about Nicky Minja, the little fall over there. You, you, Nicki Minaj and Nicki Minja. And Nicki another, Minj. Ah! Was there another one there? Was there that? Was it? Um, yeah, the what's her name? Oh, there's another singer. Oh, who's the singer that sang with? Um, It'll come back. George Michael. And I'll be loving you always on the river. It'll come back to it. Always on the. What's her name? Andrew Ridgely. No, no, <laughs> the lady that sang with Mary J. Mary J. Oh, Bilge. <laughs> Mary J. Bilge. It took us a long time, Matt. But we got there. And then I wanted to ask you about one as well. What was the one? You tell me this story because Charlie said it to me. Ask him about, he said. And I said, uh, what is it? Because I don't know this one. I don't know this one. So you do. And he said, ask, me, ask him about the Liam and Wayne thing. And I said, uh, well, you're laughing. What are you laughing at? He that, said, it's a song or something. No, that's, that is the fault of your producer, Patrick Hall. Tell us, tell us. And that is very definitely what Patrick's happened? fault. Go on, right? go on. So what happened is we arranged an interview with Liam to come in. And uh, we also had the piano set up in the studio. And Gavin Blake, who's brilliant at doing uh, the sessions, was there recording it and all the rest of it. So uh, Liam starts into the song. And it's a long first verse. He sort of goes to the chorus and it's a long second verse and he goes to the chorus and he sort of finishes. Or I thought he'd finished. And I went, oh, that's great. Thanks very much, Liam. No, there's more. <laughs> oh, he, he said. <laughs> yes. Oh, right. <laughs> then he starts to restart again. again. <laughs> and I'm just looking out at Patrick, my producer, who's like falling over laughing because I'm pretty sure he told me applaud or thank him and then he's falling over the place and going looking at him going you fucking idiot <laughs> <laughs> so that's Patrick Hawley now producer of the Mario Rosenstock podcast <laughs> he rarely fucks things up he but he, in fairness to him he's very he very has good. one a year though yeah so Patrick you can cut that out if you want to <laughs> or leave it in and I will judge you on on, on, on whatever you do um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway um, oh God, where, where are we Charlie, it was uh, it was Patrick. Oh yeah, and then there was the there was uh, there was another bit as well. I'm I'm not even familiar with this bit, but have a listen in your headphones. Patrick sent me a few extra clips. Patrick sent us a few clips, so let's listen to a few clips, me and Matt, and you can comment on this. What that does eventually is it shapes his brain so that he understands what pleasure is in a very different way than it would have originally. So, you know, a lot of men end up kind of thinking that that uh, physical punishment in some shape or form is actually enjoyable. It's not really enjoyable to get smacked with a paddle, even though, and some and summers might tell us it is, it isn't actually enjoyable. So that kind of stuff is fascinating for couples who, who just, you know, they've, they've never thought about it before. I hadn't envisaged a particular <laughs> scenario that you just decided to paint, but there you go. <laughs> what is appropriate, do you believe so, if you say so? Sorry. <laughs> It's not easy. Sorry, excuse me. If <laughs> certain stuff in, is inappropriate, what is appropriate? What is 
Well, uh, I suppose it does depend Matt, on, on the couples and what their experience uh, is and what they expect from a healthy sex life as well. Oh God, that was hilarious. I've no, I've no memory of that whatsoever. So this guy's talking about sexual fetishism and hitting people with paddles and you lost the plot completely. <laughs> well, and you were, I loved your question. Well, what is appropriate if a paddle isn't appropriate? <laughs> What's the next one? Right, back of the cobblestones. I think I have the suspension control. Mm. Hit the brake too hard, yeah. Okay. An Alan Partridge moment, yeah, basically. What was that? It? Was that a car? Or? I was a, no, it was an electric bike. Oh, electric yeah. bike. Okay. You smacked on the pavement. I did actually coming back around by Marconi <coughs> House actually and funnily enough I only remembered it uh, recently because we went out on an electric scooter and I was damn sight more careful on the cobblestones than I had been with the electric the bike and world boxing champion Bernard Dunn and former footballer the great Paul McGrath on how to get 100 Irish pe- shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you <laughs> I'll do it live <laughs> go on Another one? I mean, there's certain activities on there. Yeah, I completely understand. But there are also activities on there that are pleasurable to females, which should not be on that list. It's laughing already. Okay, can you, well, I suppose we just have to trust that we don't have a young audience listening. Can you give us a couple uh, of such activities which are now banned, which you think are sort of mainstream? Yeah, sure. Female ejaculation is one and also face-sitting is another. You know, it's, it's two enjoyable activities and Sorry, I just don't see uh, why ask- they're on there. Kate? Sorry, yeah, I just, I, I, I got the female ejaculation. I missed the second part. Face sitting. <laughs> yeah. Sitting. It's a form of oral sex where the, oh, the lady would... Sorry, I get yes. it now. Sorry, the line just went. Yes. Okay, go oh, on. Sorry. sorry. Coming up on the last word tonight, <laughs> Paul McGrath will be face sitting. <laughs> I thought I held it together very well oh, at that Jesus particular, Matt. didn't I? I, that, I actually vaguely remember that. I, I actually knew yeah. the minute I heard the clip come out, I said, that's it. I know Patrick Hoy. Patrick Hoy, that's the type of stuff he'd it's put Sneaky up as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, sneaky. Um, listen, Matt, there's a few people who've been listening in and they, they're on the phone and want, want to have a chat with you. So would you say hello to Ronan Keating's there? Hello. Say hello to Ronan Keating. Hello, Ronan. How are you? Fair play, Matt. How are you doing? Really enjoying the conversation there, Um Thanks for all the coverage you gave my new album last week, um, Songs From Home. Love all that, yeah. I actually remember um, introducing you on stage uh, once and uh, I did my Give It Up For Boy Zone! Can you ever imagine me doing that, Ronan? I did it for you. You were fantastic, Matt. You're, the new, you're, you're Gay Byrne. I'm, you're just basically Gay Byrne. I'm, uh, oh, thanks for you know, covering the new album and you know, some great songs by you know, Declan Rice, like the Blower Slaughter and all that sort of stuff. Absolutely fantastic. The Island by Liam Brady. I mean, he's one of my favourite <laughs> artists, you know. But listen, Matt, I've done a new album. It's an album of Rush covers. I was just wondering, would you, would you like to come on and do a duet? Or, uh, I'd love to. Which is the song you'd most like me to do as Rush? Tom Sawyer. Tom Sawyer, okay, fair enough. Yeah, brilliant. Who wrote that? Rush. Oh, okay. <laughs> brilliant, thanks, Ronan. Fair play, thanks, Matt. You're, good hearing for you, Ronan. Cheers, Matt. Uh, George Hook is on the line. Say hello. No. I just go on to say hello. <laughs> no. Oh, George Hook. Okay, George Hook. George, how are you, George? I haven't spoken to you since the time <laughs> we went on television together and you basically wanted all cyclists thrown off the road. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's great to talk to you. And I've been listening very, very intently, but I have to pick a bone with you when you said that I go on TV saying I know everything. Man, 
I don't know everything. I'm absolutely disgusted. Now, myself and Ivan Yates and Johnny Waters and Kevin Myers are here in the men's shed at Fox Rock. And we want to know, is there anything in your backing cupboard, in the cupboard that you've ever done? Any skeletons in the cupboard that would get you cancelled, man? Uh, <laughs> uh, we answer the question, please. Fuck off. I love you, Matt. <laughs> Matt, brilliant. You're very violent today. What about Cal and Marion are on the line? Say ah, Cal and Marion. Cal and Marion, two of my absolute favourites. Cal is there first. Brilliant. Carl, I haven't seen you since I visited you in your old house in Virginia before you moved down to Florida. How are you keeping, Carl? Hey, Matt. I was wondering. We were missing an ashtray. Um, <laughs> it was a pewter ashtray, Matt. Just wondering, uh, Matt, when are we going to drop this phony pretense that I'm some kind of hyper-conservative far-right weirdo? You know I'm not, Matt. No, no, you're further to the right of that, but I love the way you tone yourself down on the last word, Cal. Thank you. Marion is on as well. Say hello. Hello, Marion. How oh, are you? Matt, I've really enjoyed the interview. It's really, I really loved it. Uh, but I agree with Cal on this occasion, Matt. I'm sick of this hippy-dippy lefty persona shtick that you have me do on the radio. Is there any way that we can come clean? And could we make it quick, Matt? I have a Ku Klux Klan meeting tomorrow morning <laughs> and then a QAnon meeting in Washington, D.C. Oh, is that okay? with you Matt Marion you be whatever you want to be and we love having you on the show great Matt give the ashtray back next time you're over (laughs) sorry Cal I'll do that down to Florida yeah fuck you Matt (laughs) (laughs) that's right fuck you Matt Marion here I just wanted to get that off my chest since you're cursing so much up yours Matt (laughs) Matt Frank Greeny's on the line oh Frank how are you doing what have you got from the courts for us today Frank hi Matt just wondering, when is the next time you're going on holiday? I really enjoy presenting the last word and wanted to know uh, when you could tell me about your holiday so that then I could present the last word. We, we let you know next time I can book a holiday when I'm able to escape for holidays. My, Absolutely, Frank. My second question, Matt, is have you ever committed a gruesome crime? Do we have the fifth here in Ireland? I'm looking at a picture of the fifth on Tralee golf course, actually, Matt. <laughs> where a horrific hacking event occurred where three bodies and four golf balls were left stranded, alone, deserted and left in a bag. I think I'd have tried to recover the golf balls. The man described himself as a 34.8 hacker and then ordered a pint of Carlsberg. Thanks, Frank. Thanks. Right, that's about it. Uh, I was going to do Nick Ferrari, but um, it's just too, too, my sentences are too long, so I can't I do. Go Nick. on, do Nick. I love. I Nick. can't do Nick. Well, it's just like. Well, a very good. Well, a very good morning to you. Well, a very good afternoon. Sorry about to your listeners, and a very good morning to from uh, LBC Ferrari. Nick here driving a Lamborghini three four and fine two Countach. May I say I couldn't agree more, Matt, with your present predilection regarding Boris Johnson and why you hate him as well. And do you hate him as much as the British people? That remains to be seen. Of course, David Cameron, Tony Blair, we all hated them. Neil Kinnock falling over on the beach. We all remember that. Even back to Winston Churchill, we hated all our prime ministers. But very, very few, Matt, are hated as much as Boris Johnson. Perfeffel, Kefeffel, Perfeffel, Kefeffel, whatever his name is. Uh, Matt, I just don't know how I keep my sentences going without so much as a punctuation or a comma or a full stop or even a colon if I had a colon left. Thank you. <laughs> Isn't it brilliant how he does that? And he was a brilliant tabloid journalist. He is brilliant. Short sentences. I love him. And he talks, he's fantastic. I love him. He's, uh, he's, and he's really nice with you as well. He's really respectful of your show, your listeners. And he's always, win- he's, he's always thinking about the listeners. And also because his partners from Kildare 
and her family listens all the time. Right. So he has to be on his best behaviour when yeah. he's on Irish radio. He's good, he's good. Yeah. And he was great with Boris as well. He, yeah. he kind of hangs him out to dry a little bit when, he, when he's Possibly on. more so with us than he would do in his own programme. Well, when he did that quick Q&A with Boris, remember when he asked yeah. him all those questions, you played some of it yeah. on your show. Yeah. Interesting. Matt, listen, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you very much, and yeah, I've enjoyed it too. I know, th- th- thank you. What thank are you going to do with all the swearing? I'll ask Patrick. <laughs> Patrick, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Thank, Thank you very much. much. And that's it from me and from Matt Cooper from this podcast. Thanks to you for listening, as always. Um, thanks to Curry's for their uh, brilliant support throughout the year as I said make sure you get up to Curry's this Christmas um, to get one of those uh, fabulous gadgets uh, some of which you heard in the sketch Um, and thanks to you of course remember you can contact me marriorosenstock at gmail.com see you same time same place next week take it easy